Hey, this is Adam Starling. I'm the senior pastor at Victory Family Church. Thank you so much for joining us today. I pray this message will inspire you, encourage you, and hopefully challenge you to become everything that God has called you to be. Enjoy the message. Well, good morning, family. How are we doing? We okay? Yeah, glad you guys are here uh, today. Uh, it's been an incredible day. If you don't know me, my name is Matt. I'm the lead pastor here. Uh, can we just give, man, our band a huge round of applause, man? It's so creative, man. You got, you got hats up here playing with leaf rakes or something like. I mean, just so creative doing an acoustic set today. And so, man, so thankful for these guys and gals who, you may not know this, but uh, I think I picked the first one up at 6.15 this morning. They arrive early and they will leave late. They will not leave here until three o'clock. And so, so thankful for them. Uh, they don't get paid. And so they are volunteers. And so, man, so thankful for them. Thankful for you. If you're a guest with us, man, super honored that you're here. Uh, there's a lot of places you could be. And so I'm glad you chose to be here. Let me tell you about a couple things before we get into the word today. Number one, back to school outreach is this Saturday. And so we do what we call four kind of major outreaches a year, uh, kind of globally, really all four of our campuses, we do four outreaches a year. This is one of them, back to school outreach. And so kind of what goes on here on the property, there will be tons of stuff for kids for absolutely no money at all. So there are, there's eight or nine, I think Barbara's going to be cutting free haircuts that day. Backpacks will be available, school supplies. We've been having a room inside for teachers supplies. We're taking a lot of the necessities that teachers said they needed. And we're going to give those away. And again, it's because of your generosity that we can do those things. And so, man, so thankful for y'all. But man, sign up, come be a part. I mean, it's a good opportunity uh, to not just do Sunday, to be like, okay, that's what we are. Like we tell the world that we care deeply about the needs of our community. And so we just want to show that. And so, man, love for you to be a part of that. That's this Saturday. You can jump online and get signed up to serve in that. Next Sunday, man, would be a Sunday to bring somebody. So next Sunday is, we do this every year, but you're going to see three different preachers on this stage, kind of like a tag team. They'll all go eight to 10 minutes uh, coming in. So you'll get to see Pastor Josh, which you've heard before. You'll get to hear my uh, wife, Julie, and then you will see Pastor Austin. All the while, I will sit on the front row and Simon cow them to death. I'll Because I know they judge me. I know they do it every week. And so it'll be good, man. Y'all come be a part. It's going to be a lot of fun. It always is a ton of fun. I just want to speak really, really Really briefly, I don't want to make a big deal about it, but I want to be clear about kind of parking situation over here. So we can't park over there anymore. That's okay. It's not that big a deal at all. There's, I talked to the owner, which I did not know uh, after three years. I still didn't know who the owner was, but just some liability issues he's nervous about. And so I understand we want to respect his wishes. And so the last thing I want to do right now, I'm throwing nobody under the bus. Don't hear me say that. But if some reason you see Chris and Andrea Connor who run the business under there, I'm pulling them out. Like they attend here. They hate it. It is what it is. They don't own the building. And again, I, I'm, not, I'm not a bad sport, man. It's, it's all good. All you do is walk a little further. We all need a few more steps in our life, right? And so you've done it for three years. Let's keep pushing through. Uh, man, I, I would think if there's no resistance to the things of God, I don't know you're doing the things of God. And so let's just keep pressing on uh, as well as we can. But thanks so far. And if you're parked there right now, don't freak out. Don't leave. I told him, you got to give me a couple weeks, bro. Like we've done it for three years. Give me some grace. He was super cool. And he said, of course we can do that. Well, we're in this series, kind of a summer series that we're calling Upside Down Kingdom. And what it is, it's the parables of Jesus. And so if you've not been around the church, you might not know what a parable is. Well, a parable is kind of a, a made up story that Jesus were to tell to his followers and those that were listening, uh, again, really to illustrate or to display kind of what the kingdom of God was like. 
And so oftentimes those that were gathered, man, their religious thinking would be flipped on its head when he hears, when they would hear what Jesus would say about the kingdom of God. And so today we're going to look at Luke chapter 18, but we're going to be talking about persistence. How many guys believe persistence is a big deal? How many guys believe that? Yeah. Yeah. Persistence is a big deal. I just feel like, I don't know about for you. And I feel like when I say things like this, I just think, dude, you're getting old, man. But I just feel like this day and age, man, people quit everything. People change churches like they change clothes. People quit stuff all the time. People, it's the shortest lived time ever about people with their jobs. Uh, kids quitting sports all the time. So it just feels like we need some persistence more in our life. I think if you're persisting to the right things, man, persistence can really pay off big time. You probably know these stories, but you know the cleaner 409. Why it's called that, it took 409 times to get it right. No kidding. We could be cleaning with 398 right now, but they couldn't get it figured out. They couldn't figure it out. And so I don't know how many millions, maybe billions of dollars they have made, but persistence paid off. WD-40, the same story. could be WD-3 if they'd have figured it out, but they didn't. And persistence, when connecting to the right thing, can really pay off. I I do feel like, though, I want to make sure I'm clear. I I don't want to give a blanket statement about persistence. It's not always necessarily guaranteed to be a good thing. Sometimes, persistence can be bad. So I thought we'd have a little fun here and just give you a little test. And so let me just give you a couple case studies and you tell me what you think. Case study number one, let's say you're dating someone and one of you doesn't want to be together any longer, but the other persists. They keep showing up unannounced to your house, to your place of employment, good or bad persistence. That's bad. That's a stalker. That's called a stalker. Actually, we call those a stalker. Sometimes it can be bad. Case study two, how about the ever-annoying telemarketer who wants to extend your car warranty, good or bad? I think it's bad. Some people think it's worse than I do. You can ask Josh. I have a blast with these guys, man. My wife tells me, Matt, you're going to get your identity stolen. I don't care. I'm trying, I'm trying, like my goal is to keep them on the phone as long as I can. Like I don't hang up on them. If you'll tell them you have a 2001 Lamborghini Diablo, they don't want to talk. They never want to talk. And, I'm, and I always tell them, like, I need coverage. What are you doing? Like, no, no, I need coverage. And I try to keep them on the phone over and over. How about this one? Case study three. Timeshare, anyone? You ever been one of those? I like them, man. You get a free vacation if you're on the same page with your spouse. If you go to those on this, I'm, you asked Julie, biggest fight of our marriage, year two, we went to this prepaid vacation thing. Listen, we made it 17 years later. We made it. I didn't think we was going to make it. It was the biggest fight of our life. Like literally, I, I, I'm, I'm embarrassed a little bit to tell you the way I behaved in that situation, but it's, it's a long time ago. So, I mean, the Lord has worked in me. But I'll never forget, I, I just felt like she, she, she turned on me. Like halfway through, like I went because they're giving a Red Lobster gift card. I'm like, let's go get something free. We can listen to these jokers talk. Let's go. And so we went. And I feel like somewhere in the middle, she turned on me. Like she, Julie was suddenly on this guy's side. And she's like, don't you like vacations? I flipped the script. I'm like, no, I hate them actually. Like I don't like them. I don't like, I like sitting at home. I don't like going on vacations. And after it was over, I, I was so furious. Like somehow I did it. I wrote a check for $200. That was like the entry fee. I don't know what it was. And I paid that. And, and I'm so, I'm acting like a jerk, guys. I'm, I'm confessing my sins. I'm like, whatever, take your check. And so I give him the check. And we go down the road. And Julie, your, the, the pastor's wife, Pastor Julie, she says to me, 
did you not really want to do it? I said, oh, are you serious right now? Are you serious right now? She goes, we don't have to do it. I turned that thing around and went back. And so I said, honey, you sit in the car. This may not go well. And so I got my check, but it was hard to get that check back. But I got it. I got it. So persistence, I don't know, isn't always a good and noble thing. But sometimes, if you're really persistent, if you're not careful, if it's to the wrong cause, man, you could be a bully, right? You could be pushy, demanding, even overbearing at times. So if you're committed to the wrong cause, persistence can be really bad. And so I just want to be super clear. But sometimes... If you have persistent to the right thing, frankly, it can be really, really holy. It can be an incredible thing. So if you're going to have a good marriage, you both are going to have to learn some persistence. Amen? If you're going to be a good parent, you're going to have to learn some persistence. If you want to do ministry, business, or really lead anything at all, you're going to have to learn some persistence. You young people, if you want to be a good athlete, you got to learn some persistence. You want to be a good musician? You have to learn some persistence because you've got to keep moving forward. And so today, Jesus is going to tell us, if you want a good prayer life, we should, you're going to have to learn some persistence. And so if you have your Bibles, turn with me to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 18, and we'll read the first eight verses here today. If you don't have a Bible, it's okay. It will be on the screen behind me. But it reads this way, and it says this, and he told them a parable to affect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. So sometimes in a parable, Jesus will tell you up front, here's the answer. Like, this is where I'm aiming. I want to make sure you know, pray and don't stop. Don't lose heart. And then he kind of teaches. In a certain city, there was a judge who neither feared God nor he respected man. And there was a widow in that city who kept coming to him saying, give me justice against my adversary. We don't know what happened, but she wants justice. For a while, he refused. But afterward, he said to himself, though I neither fear God nor respect man, anyone for that matter, yet because the widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice so that she will not beat me down with her continual coming all the time. And the Lord said, hear what the unrighteous judge says. Even hear what the unrighteous judge says is what he's saying. And will not God give justice to his elect? Don't be nervous about that word. That just saved people, his elect, who cry to him day and night. Will he delay over long over them? I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? So immediately, right out of the gate, now we can learn from this parable that he's teaching us we've got to keep praying. Like you've got to keep praying. So the woman here, was persistent in her request, and the unjust judge finally gave in. So make sure you understand here. The judge is not like this one-to-one example of God. Don't get the characters mixed up in this story. So in this story, you have the Lord Jesus Christ who's telling the story. Then you have the widow on one hand, and then you have the judge on the other. They're the two primary characters in the story, and they are exceedingly different. Number one, you have a woman and you have a man. You have a man who is all powerful in this situation. He is super powerful. Then you have this woman who is actually powerless in this situation. You see, in that day, just not not only being a judge, but naturally he would have been exalted to this position with great 
authority. She was in this very humble position without a family to receive her. She's a widow, so she doesn't have a husband there even to try to protect her. So legally, even then, she would have been vulnerable, very vulnerable in this time. You see, in this culture, it would have been very uncommon for a woman to be able to do such things as even own property, even to to vote. So because of that, many widows, as a result, were taken advantage of. They were ripped off. They were not given justice in the judicial system. That's why, if you'll look at the Bible in the Old Testament and the New Testament, it has a lot to say about widows and God's love for widows and how God's people are called. We are called to love widows. That includes Jesus' own brother, James. That he says, true religion, that's what I want to be a part of. True religion is actually caring for the orphans and the widows and those who are in need. So really, there would be three ways for this lady in this day and age to get justice. Number one, she could pay the judge off. That happened frequently, but she has no money. She's a poor widow that has no money. Number two, I don't think it's a great idea, especially today. You could threaten the judge, but she's powerless. She has no ability to even do that. Or number three, you would persist. You would have to muster up kind of the courage to keep marching in every day in the face of adversity for the sake of justice. And she's doing it. Remember, what she, how she's persisting, who she's persisting to, to a judge that we only know two things about. Number one, he does not fear God. And number two, he does not respect men. And so therefore, isn't that like the two criteria, like characteristics, if we need a characteristic for a judge, like you're going to need to fear God and to love people, Right? But here, he doesn't anticipate. He he doesn't fear God. He doesn't have any fear of God at all. This is a bad resume. Like he doesn't believe there's a capital J judge. He doesn't believe there's a heaven, doesn't believe there's a hell, that there's eternal consequences, both here for obedience and disobedience. And as a result, you can tell he's going to live his life as his own God. He's going to render all the decision in his own life. And he just sits on his throne in this courtroom and he just renders verdicts every day. Like he's this little G God and his courtroom is this kingdom. He doesn't believe there's a God he's going to turn to and give an account who rules over his life. Secondly, he don't like people. Like he doesn't like people. He doesn't care about people. Like the picture that we're being painted here is he's the kind of guy that if you're suffering, he don't care. If you're struggling, he doesn't care. If you're victimized, it doesn't really affect him. If you're ripped off, he doesn't care. If it doesn't affect him, why should he care? And so we're kind of given this idea that this judge is this kind of cold and kind of cruel individual. And here's this widow up against that man. But eventually, he finally says, that's it. Like, I'm going to give her justice. Like, this woman is driving me crazy, right? I mean, like every time he walks out the house, she's like, how about that justice though? Like always, over and over. Like she's, she's driving him crazy to the point that he finally gives in. And so I think every time we examine at least this story, and I think most parables, if you'll look, you'll begin to kind of, to a degree, find yourself in the story. And that's not always. Don't ever get the characters mixed up. Don't ever think you're the hero of the story because you never are. Jesus is always the hero of the story in the scripture. But here, I think, it's, I think it's good to ask, like, which character am I like? Which character do I relate to most? Which character am I unlike to? And so let me ask you the first question. How are you like the judge? How are you like the judge? Do you truly fear God? We don't talk about the fear of God in church anymore. 
We don't, but there's a healthy fear of God that all believers ought to possess. Do you respect God? Do you honor God? Do you submit to God? Like, do you present the things of your life before God? Or are you really, and you wouldn't say this, and I wouldn't either, but are you more like the judge? And frankly, God doesn't weigh heavily in my life. Like God God doesn't really factor in the decision-making that I do every day who God is and what God does in this book, what God says, it's not really that important to you. Maybe you've chosen it because it's the best choice, but it doesn't literally shape your life. Or maybe you feel like there is no God, or maybe worse that you think God owes you something, that you, that you don't believe you will stand before a God one day, that maybe there is no heaven, that there is no hell, there's no consequence, that there's no judgment. Or maybe you've believed simply because you're better than most people, it'll work itself out in the end. Listen to me, all of that, I'm not asking you to raise your hand, but all of those feelings, that's a no respect of God. That's a no fear of God, a no regard of God. If you're like that, I think it's important to realize that's where his trouble began. Like the story starts with he's no respecter of man and no respecter of God. Do you really care about people? I'm not just talking about in theory because we all love people in theory, but in practice, like would your life agree with that, that I love people? He sees this woman in need, suffering injustice. And for at least a season, he does nothing. He does nothing. He says nothing. He's in a position where he could serve her, bring her justice, kind of alleviate this complicated variable in her life, and he does nothing. So watch this. His sin, because he's not the adversary. He didn't cause the problem. His sin is like a sin of omission, like he's omitting himself from the situation. So it's easy to know when I cause harm to you, I very well know that's my sin. That's my sin of commission. I committed some sin against you. That's easy. But when I see something going on in life and I do nothing about it, I have the power, that's sin too. That's just a sin of omission. Like you're omitting yourself from where God has put you to try to help. So let me ask you, who could you be helping that you're not? Like who has God placed in your life to help that for whatever reason you've chosen not to? Who, who should you be serving right now that you're not serving? Who are you defending? There are so many people who need defending. Who are you defending that you're not? Who is it that you should be battling every day for in prayer and you're not? And so how, no one wants to be the judge, but how are you like the judge in one way or another? But sometimes, here's the truth, we are victims. And I know victims got a bad name and you're playing the victim card. Like sometimes we are legit victims. Some people have actually been sinned against. So the second question is, how am I like the widow? How am I like the widow? What good things do you need to keep striving for? Like what things have you quit? Like you stopped persisting for, like God put something on your heart and you went to to battle in prayer every single day for this, but for whatever reason, you've just quit. She keeps striving for justice. What do you need to keep striving for? I mean, even writing through this, like God revealed some things in my own life. It's not bad, but I've just quit. Like I was believing God for some things in my life and I didn't necessarily hear God say no. I just quite frankly got tired of praying about it. I just I thought, man, it's not gonna happen, just forget it. I didn't have a bad attitude necessarily. I just stopped persisting in prayer for these things. So don't quit. 
Don't give up. Keep battling over and over. Persist, persist, persist. Because you have this woman in the face of great adversity. She's staring into this powerful judge against this, this powerless and penniless widow. And she wants justice. And she pursues it. She strives for it vigorously and continually. What do you need to fight for? Like, what is it in your life that you need to be fighting for? Like, what's worth fighting for for you? Everything, you can't fight for everything. It's not possible. And just so you know, not everything is worth fighting for. Everything's not worth fighting. Some of y'all warriors, some of your warriors, you will fight over and everything, anything. Feel free not to. Like, you don't have to fight for everything. Find out what's valid to fight for. I'm telling you, some of your Facebook cause of driving is crazy. Share this picture with five people or you don't love Jesus. Stop it. Stop. <laughs> Heart this picture of grandma or you don't like your grandma. Stop. We don't want to fight for those causes, man, right? But on the flip side, man, some of you, you won't fight for anything. You won't fight for anything or anybody. God has placed something on your heart and this spirit of fear has came over you and you won't fight for anything. But God has called us to be fighters. I believe you need to prayerfully, carefully consider what is it? What's worth fighting for? Listen to me. Jesus is worth fighting for. The church, the lo- not just this church, the church in America is worth, and the world is worth fighting for. Justice as she pursued. Now, I'm not just talking about justice for yourself, justice for those who can't defend themselves. That's worth fighting for. Your family is worth fighting for. Husbands, wives, your marriage is worth fighting for. The oppressed, single moms, kids, victims, they're all worth fighting for. What are things that are, that are worth fighting for? What are things that, that God has burdened your heart to be fighting for? So I want to be a persistent person pursuing the things that God's put on my heart. Like, what are those things in our life? So in this, Jesus is telling us persistence can be, if you're committed to the right person or the right thing, a very virtuous kind of noble thing. But here in particular, he's talking about prayer. So persistence in prayer, he's saying, is always good. In fact, in the first verse, he just said, he told them this parable to affect the way they pray and to not lose heart. Let me affect the way you pray and don't give up is what he's saying. So as you read this story, listen, we're not meant to read this like God is like the judge, this crooked, kind of mean, nasty, unloving, unkind man that we got to beat him up in prayer to get him to do what we tell him to do. That's not the point of the story at all. The point of the story really is that there is a capital J judge above all judges and his name is God. And all people, including all of the little J judges will give an account to him. And when we pray to that God, we're praying to the God, to the judge who is completely unlike the judge in this story. And the point is, listen to it. If this woman... This is what Jesus is trying to illustrate. If this woman would persist in her request to this godless judge, like she's being rewarded. She's she's somewhat of a hero here. Like if she is persisting against this godless judge, how much more should you and I persist in our prayers to God, the good judge? Because if this guy's unjust, our God is just. If this guy's unkind, our God is kind. If he's uncaring, our God is caring. And she persists in making her request to this bad judge. How much more? How much more should you be motivated to continually bring your request to God, our good 
judge. And the way we do that is in prayer. So ultimately, really, this parable, it's an invitation to prayer. Herein lies the problem. And in this, I want to tell you, some of you will not persist in prayer because you don't believe prayer works. And you've walked with the Lord for a long time. And for whatever reason, you don't believe prayer works. Let me tell you why. Because things haven't happened that you prayed for. Let me tell you, prayer does work. And some of you think God doesn't answer prayer. God answers every single prayer. I posted this week, like Garth Brooks, I love him. He needs to sing. He's not a theologian. God answered prayers. That don't make any sense. God answered every prayer. You think about that song for a second. Remember he said, he said the other night, I saw this hometown football game like he saw his, 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 uh, what is, his high school girlfriend, right? Maybe God said no. He saved him from a train wreck. Like she was wild, crazy, right? Like he didn't unanswer it. He said no. Like God doesn't not, he always answers prayers regardless of what they are. Sometimes he says yes. And because I'm selfish, that's what I want every time. I love yes prayers. Listen to me. Sometimes God says no. And some of you have never heard that. You need to get that through your head. We got to understand. He says no sometimes. And sometimes he just says later. Why? Because he's a loving father. Because he's a loving father. How many of you guys have kids or you've, you've had little kids at least or, or you have little kids now? They come to you with some of the craziest requests in the world, right? And listen, if you said yes to your four-year-old for everything they asked, you would be a horrible parent. Like if you just said yes to every single thing they asked, and if you are that parent, can I just say these people are talking behind your back? Like that's what we do. That's what we do. Like if you say yes to everything, listen, my boys are getting older, man. They are 13 and 14. I'm still dad though, right? I still know what's best. And so they wake me up at 1 a.m. and want to hit that diet of, of Mountain Dew and Mike and Ike's tonight. The answer is no. Like no. No, you're not little anymore, but no, the answer is no. And listen, we will not be playing catch with a football over Highway 62 today, even though they may want to. And there's nothing unnormal about a 13-year-old. Quite honestly, I'm 44. I like to throw a football over a few cars. Like, it's fun, right? <laughs> nothing wrong with that. But the answer is no. Why? Because I know what's best. I do know what's best. I know that's not smart. It's dangerous. And if you caught me doing that, you saw your pastor throwing a football over cars nonstop, you may stop attending here, right? Because you think he's not a good dad. Why in the world would we think that God says no sometimes that he's not a good God? Good parents say no sometimes, or God says no sometimes. Frankly, it would be terribly unloving to say yes to everything children ask. But also, sometimes, sometimes a good parent just says later, right? Like, it's not yes, it's not no. The answer is simply later. Let me try to make this really practical for you. Let's pretend like Christmas, in theory, it's supposed to be cold. I know Oklahoma, who knows if it is. But in theory, let's pretend like it is. And your children come running out Christmas morning. It's freezing outside. And they say, Mom and Dad, they're not looking for presents. They say, Mom and Dad, can we go outside and build a slip and slide? You're like, no, 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 it's freezing. It's, it's free. But, but really, you may have said no, but you, you don't mean no. You don't mean no. You actually mean later. Right? You don't actually mean no. Probably in five or six months from now. Kids, if you're in here, listen, we're not anti-slip and slide. We're anti-pneumonia, anti-doctor bills, right? So the answer really is later. Because again, right now, I don't know how much longer I got with this because my boys will maybe outsmart me when they're 20. I don't know how old. Right now, I know more than they do. I just do. I know what's best for them more. And so the answer later is a wise decision. <clears throat> if your kids are anything like mine, or were at least, and my boys are still like this, every time it's sunny, they're going to come in. Is it, is it time? 
is the slip and slide time? Is, this, is it go time now? Is it time now? No, bro, it's January. No, it's still 40. No, it's February. No, it's March. No, who knows? Maybe March in Oklahoma. Who knows? But March, April, May, we get to May, June. Like in the day finally comes, man. Like I walk in there, I'm like, it's go time, man. Get your, let's go. We're going to build the most epic slip. We're coming off the neighbor's roof, actually. Like, we're going to build the most epic slip and slide you've ever seen right? Because I love them and I want to say yes. But at first the answer was later because I know timing better than they know timing. God is like a parent. God is a father and a good parent. Understand this for parents too. We have three options and so does he. Yes, no, and maybe it's just later. So we persist in prayer because I don't know. Perhaps the answer is later. So I'm going to continue to persist. And don't, this is what happens. And I do this, unfortunately, all the time. Don't get your characteristics, your demeanor mixed up with God's. And so kids, listen, when you ask us the same question over and over and over, it's annoying. Like it gets on our nerves. We're human. We love you. God's not like that. You don't annoy your God. He has the same question over and over. You never annoy your God. Don't put your demeanor, your characteristics on our God. We persist in prayer because perhaps the answer is later. We just don't know. And so we continue to persist. So we must find purpose in the waiting. So if we're waiting to find out what the answer is, since the answer could be later, we keep praying to see if the answer is later. So we wait. We don't know if we don't keep asking. Additionally, prayer does work even if what we asked for doesn't happen. Because prayer often has two purposes. Usually the primary purpose of prayer is that we move the hand of God. Does that make sense? So I'll tell you like this. If you're sick and you have an illness and you respond to prayer afterwards, maybe, and, and if I'm praying for you, even this prayer team prays for you, let me tell you how we're praying. I'm praying first and foremost, the hand of God would move. And I would pray that it would heal you. And I believe with everything in me that he can do it. But I also know that sometimes prayer's purpose, God's purpose in prayer is that he wants to mold our heart. And sometimes you may say, prayer didn't work. God didn't do what I told him to do. Well, by definition, being God means you don't have to do what you're told, right? Like that's just in the definition of being God. It's not like God's ever sitting in heaven going, I didn't want to do it, but I had to. They claim the scripture like I had to do it. No, 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 no. God, God controls all. God decides all. God never has to do what we tell him to do. Somewhere along the way, we thought we could memorize a few scriptures and hold our God captive. That's a pipe dream, friends. God is God. He is in control. He is sovereign over everything. God can do whatever he wants. But the lesson here is for people, the people of God, to be persistent in the prayer. And then finally, trust God's timing. It's not always my timing. I'll be honest. Like, it's not. Like, when I pray for things and I expect it to happen immediately, that's the way I wanted it to happen. Learn to love his timing. It's hard, but learn to love his timing. Sometimes our answer to prayer comes really quick, right? Like, you know. Like, something happens or something doesn't happen. Those of you who bought a lottery ticket this week, you didn't win. It's over. It's over. He said no. He said no. You know the answer. Stop praying about it. God, can help me win the lottery? No, it's over. It are, they called it last night or whatever, right? So like, I mean, it's over. You know the answer sometimes quick. But always remember his timing is perfect. I struggle a lot with patience, man. 
Man, I do. I struggle with patience in general. I always want the answer now. But over the years, I'm learning to finally trust God's timing because he's always on time. He ain't never been late. Your God is always on time. He has set the perfect time for everything in history. So listen to me. You serve a righteous and loving judge who loves you, who cares about you. And hear this, he's for you. He's not against you. He's for you. So so what do we take from this? Listen, we persist in prayer. Are there things in your life that you stop praying for? Like you felt impressed upon your heart years ago and you just stopped. Maybe it's a son or daughter who doesn't know the Lord. And you've been praying for 25 years and you've just given up. Maybe God's telling you to persist today. Continue to battle for your loved one in prayer. What have you given up on? Persist, persist, persist. Just because we don't get the answer we want. Understand God's timing. Understand God says no. And if he says no, it's because he loves you. He loves you. He does know what's best. But if I don't know the answer, if I'm going to pray that God would do something, he does it, I'm not going to persist there. He's already done it. But if I don't know the answer, man, I'm going to keep battling and battling and battling in prayer. Persist, family. It can be a very holy, worshipful thing for your God. Let us persist in prayer. Father God, we love you. We thank you, God, for who you are. We thank you, God. First, you're a trustworthy God. And I know life kind of confuses us from time to time, God, because we all, we all fail one another. And so maybe we think less of you. God, you never fail. Your love never fails. Your trust never fails. You are trustworthy. So just with your head bowed and your eyes closed, let me ask you this question. What have you given up on? God called you to do something years ago and you just given up on it because it didn't happen quick enough? And I don't want to make light of that. Maybe you've been praying for something for five years and you've put in a lot of effort and sacrifice and it still hasn't happened. Maybe, maybe God is telling you to persist. Husbands, wives, have you stopped praying for your marriage? Have you just decided, man, this is just where it's at? God wants his best for you. If that's not what you have, stop. Keep persisting. Keep persisting. Have you stopped praying for that wayward son or daughter? Have you just given up? It's been years. It's been 30 years, 40 years. Keep praying. Don't give up. Don't give up. Just leave your head bowed and your eyes closed. How many would say that there's things in your life you need to be battling for right now? If that's you, just lift your hand. Yep, yep. Hands everywhere. Yeah. Yeah, keep battling. Keep battling. Don't quit. Don't quit. You have a God who loves you. He's for you. Or maybe you're here today and you just, this is all new for you. All this is just kind of new. I, you don't know me maybe, but I want you to hear me say this. God's not giving up on you. And you say, Pastor, you don't know me. You don't know my past. Listen to me. He's not giving up on you. I could show you scripture after scripture, how he's waiting for you to come home. He's going to celebrate when you finally come home. He's got a plan and a purpose for your life. And a call in your life is that you would be his son or daughter. And the scriptures say, if you just confess with your mouth, you believe it in your heart. The Bible says he'll save you. And praise God, there's no waiting period. He saves you in an instant. That's more than a decision. Like we're going to begin living the life. He saves you in an instant. 
something, man, I'm telling you, we, we'll walk with you. That's why we say we're family. We will walk with you, what that looks like. We can figure the rest out along the way. But today, God is drawing your heart to him. That's the spirit of God. I'm not trying to be weird. That's what he does. He draws you to himself. So today, maybe you have that nudge in your heart, man. You want to ask Christ to come into your life and to be rule and reign in your life. If that's you today, will you just slip up your hand? I'm not going to embarrass you in any way. I'm just going to pray for you. Man, today's my day. I want to confess my sins to him. I want to be saved by him. Experience the love of a father. Why don't we all pray this prayer out loud together? Pray this way. Father God, thank you for saving me. Come into my life. Be Lord of my life. Forgive me of my sins. I repent of my sins. From this day forward, I choose to follow you. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Thanks so much for joining us today. If you enjoyed today's message, I want to encourage you to like it or share it on social media and tag at VFC underscore Newcastle. If you haven't already, download the Victory Family Church app to stay connected with everything that's happening throughout the week. Thanks again for listening. Have an awesome week.